0: Fan Junkies Radio is brought to you by FanJunkies.net, where sports meet social networking. Welcome to another episode of Fan Junkies Radio, I'm your host Jonathan and alongside me as always Mr. Mike McShane. Mike, what's going on buddy? How are we doing today Jonathan? Doing real good, how you doing?
1: Good, good, it's been an interesting week so far, huh?
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. it's been a uh, real interesting week, it's also uh, been a week uh, filled with devastation Mike.
1: A little, bit, a little sobering, a little sobering.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, before we get into anything, uh, you know, we just want to send our uh, deepest condolences and our prayers out to uh, everybody affected in Boston by uh, Monday's tragedy, the bombings of Boston during the Boston Marathon. And, uh, you know, our, our thoughts and prayers are with the three people who lost their lives uh, due to this uh, cowardice act and uh, also to the families and friends of everybody that were lost and, and injured yeah a number um, of
1: them number of them uh, still actually th- there could still be additional fatalities unfortunately yes. yeah a
0: number of them are still
1: fighting in critical condition for the, yeah for their life in in hospital so yeah. uh, just a senseless sort of thing it just gets you to the point where you shake your head and you go you know you you just can't wrap your head around it and and make any sense of it you can't you know you just want to ask why and and there's no answer
0: yeah it it's just it's, you know, it makes you think, man. You, you know what? You really can't go out and enjoy things anymore, Mike. I mean, this is something you know uh, on Patriots Day, the Boston Marathon, and for a lot of these people running in this marathon, this was their dream. This is something that they crossed off their bucket list, you know. And unfortunately, it, it was just you know taken away from them.
1: But we cannot, we cannot. As a, as a, as a group and as a community and as a country, we 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 must have resolve, and we cannot let them win. We have to continue on. And we have to continue to go to our events as we always do.
0: Yep, absolutely. Good will always outdo evil, unfortunately. It's the uh, people that have to be hurt in the meantime. And uh, there were a lot of people hurt. It was just uh, real tragic, real tragic. But, uh, you know, like I said, our prayers and our condolences out to everybody affected by this and everybody in Boston. Great city, great community. Uh, you know, stay Boston, strong. Uh, Also, real quick, uh, there won't be an episode of Sports Blogger Radio on Fan Junkies Radio this week. Uh, Our good friends John Lear and Scott Blooney out in Boston uh, won't be able to do it. They want to uh, be radio silent this week um, in in memory of everybody out in Boston. That
1: seems appropriate.
0: Yeah, our hat's off to them as well. Uh, Also... um, a death in, in, in the NFL, uh, former NFL player, and you have to say it, legendary NFL broadcaster Pat Summerall passed away yesterday at the age of 82 years old. Um, wow. You know, I when I heard it, uh, couldn't believe it. Uh, you know, Pat Summerall was always the voice in my ear, Mike, uh, yeah. you know, growing up as a kid, and uh, you know, as you said, you always knew John Madden when he spoke, but I have to say... <laughs> You always knew Pat Summerall when he spoke. He had that unique voice, you know. Yes,
1: he sure did. And you know, it's interesting. Yeah, all the headlines from yesterday uh, making reference first to the fact he was a broadcaster. Of course, he spent how many years in the NFL? I think it was ten. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, really, he was. He, he, you know, let's get it straight. Let's let's not forget the guy had a ten-year career in the NFL. Um, but it really, you're absolutely right. For the modern football era, we knew it more from the broadcasting career. Uh, the guy broadcasts more NF, uh, more Super Bowl games than any other commentator. Yes. And, you know, when you think about it, too, Jonathan, here's the other unique thing about Summerall. Summerall isn't like the guys we see coming into the uh, booth nowadays who are the, quote-unquote, analysts. He was the play-by-play guy.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And he was damn good at his job, Mike.
1: You you don't see too many formers uh, in any sport become the play-by-play guys.
0: No. They usually become the analyst type. Correct. Correct. No. Correct. And he was he was the guy, you know. Uh, you know, John Madden was the analyst, and uh, Pat Summerall was the play-by-play guy. And you know, ten seasons in the NFL, playing with the Chicago Cardinals and the New York Giants, he was a kicker. Um, you know, had a good NFL career, but an even better broadcast career, Absolute. Mike. And uh, you know, definitely uh, one of the best, and definitely legendary. So uh,
1: voice, wonderful, voice.
0: oh, amazing, amazing voice. Uh, you know, so our condolences out to uh, the friends and family of Pat Summerall and. Uh, you know, uh, I have to say, man, uh, we're, we're all honored that we got to listen to him for so many years. Yeah, so. absolutely. All right, Mike, let's uh, dive right into it right away. We will be joined today by uh, U.S. National Hockey Women's Captain Natalie Darwitz. Really looking forward to that at around the 12th, yeah, mark. Yeah, really,
1: really incredible career. Boy, I can't wait to actually get into a couple of things with her over all the different things that she's done in her lifetime. Young life, too, to only 29 years old.
0: Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, so we will be joining her at the 12-15 mark, uh, but before that, let's get into our hat-trick picks really quick here, Mike, at uh, hat-trick.nhl.com, presented by Enterprise. Um, I believe you're up 5-4? Yes. Yeah. Okay, you're up 5-4. I haven't been able to make a couple of picks over the last couple of weeks uh, due to some circumstances, but we're back, so let's uh, make today's picks, Mike. Uh, First question is, will the Pittsburgh Penguins score at least three goals against the Montreal Canadiens tonight?
1: I'm saying yes because it's a home game for Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh averages 3.2 goals a game. At the same time, Montreal only allows 2.5. Nonetheless, it's a home game for Pittsburgh. I'm going to give
0: it to them yes. I'm saying no. I'm going no. I think uh, Montreal's defense can hold them to two goals, but we'll see what happens. Um, Which team will win tonight between the Boston Bruins coming back after their game being canceled uh, due to the uh, tragic uh, Boston bombings and uh, they will be facing against the Buffalo Sabres tonight, Mike. So which yeah, team will win?
1: Yeah, and it's a home game for Boston, so there's going to be a little passion going there. You've got to give it to Boston.
0: Uh, absolutely. Boston all the way in this one, man. They, they need it right now. Uh, which team will win, to, uh, will win tonight between the Detroit Red Wings and the Calgary Flames?
1: I'm going Red Wings.
0: Going Red Wings as well. So we're different on the first. We'll see what happens tonight, Mike.
1: Same on the other two. Gotcha.
0: Yep. All, all right. right. Today in sports.
1: Today in sports. I'm going to go way back. How about 120 years ago, back uh, on this date, 1892, uh, it, first major league baseball game to ever be played on a Sunday at Sportsman Park in St. Louis. Wow. You know, I'm thinking they probably, you know, back in the day, Major League Baseball probably recognized what would be what would have been called years ago the Blue Laws, you know, where there weren't Major League Baseball games played on on Sunday. Yeah. You know, which was the Sabbath, so we didn't do anything. Yeah. Uh, 1892, however, that changed. And, my uh, gosh, what would Sundays be like anymore without Major League Baseball?
0: Wow. Couldn't even think about it, man. Whew. All right. I like it today in sports, Mike. You always come up with some good ones. Yeah.
1: Neat Interesting stuff. stuff.
0: Neat stuff. Interesting stuff. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of people learned of, you know, with it, so that was great. Um, let's get into a little bit of NHL now before we'll be joined by uh, U.S. Women's Captain... Uh, Natalie Darwitz of the hockey team. Let's talk NHL right now real quick. Uh, Something went down over the last couple of days, Mike, and I'm not too happy about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, The NHL is planning to have six outdoor games next season. Um, And I'll throw it out right now. It would be Toronto versus Detroit at Michigan Stadium January 1st. Now, that's a replacement game. Exactly. Reasons. Right. Anaheim versus L.A. at Dodger Stadium January 21st, and then back-to-back games for the Rangers against the Devils and the Islanders at Yankee Stadiums, January 26th and 29th, followed by Pittsburgh versus Chicago, Soldier Field March 1st, Ottawa-Vancouver at the BC Place March 2nd. To me, Mike, this kills kills a very, very special Winter Classic game that everybody looks forward to each season now. And now you're going to have six of them.
1: I couldn't agree with you more. This is, uh, you know, what what Jonathan, it, it, it seems obvious to me this is a an attempt by the NHL to kind of appease the fact that we had a shortened season this year, we lost the Winter Classic, and so now we're, what we're going to do is we're going to take the pendulum and we're going to swing it real hard the other direction and we're going to overload. Yeah, this is this is ridiculous. I, I would love to know what our buddy Russ Cohen uh, is thinking about this one, who wrote the book yeah. on the Winter Classic. Uh, this is a disgrace. Uh, I, I I I couldn't agree with you more. You're looking at five different venues too. Uh, that's the other thing. You got Michigan Stadium involved. You got Dodger Stadium, Yankee Stadium, Soldier Field in Chicago, and then DC Place up. I guess that's up in uh, British Columbia.
0: Yes, I you know. Listen, I was reading a little bit of an article today by David Rogers over at uh, Punk Jork Love. And, uh, you know, he hit the nail on the head. He goes, why is the Winter Classic such a special event? And he says, simple, it's rare. It's not a common occurrence to see a professional hockey game played out in the elements. The casual fan and even the non-fan are attracted to the Winter Classic because it's something so different. Um, This really waters down a very, very special event. This is something that people really look forward to. Now, by having six, this doesn't make it a very special event anymore, Mike. Correct. This is now. Now, let me ask you this: In the long run, if they do have anywhere, let's say between four to six winter classic type games each season, now, how quick do you think it's going to lose its appeal to fans?
1: Oh well, uh, listen, it might lose it by the time you get to March 2nd
0: uh, of next year.
1: I mean, you know, look, obviously the January 1 uh, one is going is to continue to be a mainstay. I mean, it's January 1. That's number one. Number two, Michigan Stadium is enormous. It holds over 100,000 people, and that's what they're expecting for that one. So the January 1 one will not be uh, affected in any respect whatsoever. But I think by the time you get to March 2nd, it may very well be. You're going to start seeing ratings dropping off, uh, and, and, and the, the hype about it will not be the same.
0: Yeah, Particularly, I agree.
1: how are you going to build hype around a game on March 2nd when you're going to be doing one on March 1st? How yeah. are you going to build hype for the one on January 26th at Yankee Stadium when you're, when you're going to have one the day before at Dodgers Stadium? I, I, I just don't,
0: I, I don't get it. I it, do not it, it understand
1: just, the, the purpose.
0: It really does not make sense. If they went more of a route, Mike, which we've spoken about, I believe we spoke about it with Russ as well, have any all-star game outdoors. Mm-hmm. You know, doing something like that, yeah, I could see it. Maybe adding even a second Winter Classic matchup and having them, you know, back to back on a weekend, that may be okay. But adding 5 to 6 Winter Classics
1: in I, one I, season, I, it's I, it's 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 downright dumb. Yeah, I agree with you. Now, I uh, here, here's the other question I'm going to throw out there, and, and maybe you have the answer. I don't know, maybe there's no answer at all. Are they calling all of these a Winter Classic? No, right now
0: they're just calling it a, uh outdoor games. <laughs> but now, which one of these outdoor games will be titled a winter classic?
1: It's got to be the January 1st one. You would think so. Right. Yeah. That's been the, 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 the historical – Historical. You know, I hate to use that word because it really hasn't been around all that long. But, you know – it has very quickly almost kind of become a historical event.
0: Oh, absolutely. Now,
1: it, now it's no longer a historical event. Not if you're holding six of them in one season.
0: Well, I mean, if you really look at them, there's, there's, there's three games up here that are going to be dynamite games, Mike. And that's the Toronto versus Detroit game on January 1st. You have to put the Islanders-Rangers and Yankee Stadium on January 29th just because of, of the deep, deep rivalry that every hockey fan knows about. Right, And even the Pittsburgh-Chicago matchup on March 1st at Soldier Field. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it, it's, you know, what about the other three games? The Ottawa versus Vancouver, the Devils, Rangers, and the uh, Ducks-Kings. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. are they going to take a backseat to those three games, number one? Number two, who's actually going to watch all six of these games? Because as you said, the Winter Classic is such a, are they going to air all six of these games on NBC?
1: Oh, I would bet.
0: You know, is this going to be national? I mean, honestly, you really look at it. The only reason why, you know, the NHL is is, is thinking about doing this and it's probably going to do it. It's, it's all based on money. Oh, there's no doubt about
1: it. There's yeah. no doubt about it. And, and again, I think that, you know, in some respects it was a concept of, well, you know, the fan base lost the Winter Classic. Uh, the fan base is really going to enjoy this. This will get everybody's mind off the shortened season. Although I think everybody's mind is off the shortened season already. Anyhow, all the hockey fans that I've spoken to, nobody, nobody, there was virtually no fallout from the strike whatsoever. Uh, there were, and, and and you know I I, I think Jonathan you and I've talked about it before even financially there was no fallout from the strike in fact uh, per capita wise they're actually making more money this year than they yes. would have uh, had there been a full season
0: yeah kind of shocking yeah. but it's true
1: so there's no need there was no need necessarily to appease the fan base no all right by adding additional quote unquote winter classic games so what's the purpose. Well, the only other purpose you can think of, as you just pointed out, is it's all financially driven. Well, now what you've done is you're going to dilute the event, the spectacle of the event.
0: I don't know. We shall definitely see what happens, though, Mike. But I can tell you right now, it's 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 not going to sit well with fans, and, and and it already isn't from some of the comments that I'm hearing uh, since last night. Uh, you know, one of the things that David Rogers wrote in his article, he also said, "I'll leave it to the NHL to ruin a good thing." What's behind this decision? Money. The NHL will claim it wants to bring the experience to all of their fans, but that's just not factual. The experience, as we currently know, will end as soon as the NHL makes an outdoor game a common occurrence. And I have to say, he hit the nail on the head. I I. Couldn't agree with him more on that.
1: Well, uh, uh, the other thing, too, that you got to cons- – there's going to be – I mean, obviously there's going to be cost involved because, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it takes these venues a good two to two and a half weeks to assemble these outdoor arenas in their, in their stadiums. Yes. So, wow. The, it, you're talking about a monstrous undertaking here in multiple locations almost simultaneously.
0: Great. I agree. Well, we will definitely see what happens, and we'll keep everybody updated as we get word on what's going to be the fallout from all of this. Uh, Real quick, uh, let's take a look at the NHL standings here real quick. Mike, out in the Eastern Conference, uh, if the playoffs started today, it would be the Penguins versus the Rangers. Islanders, Montreal, Washington, Ottawa, Boston, Toronto – out in the West, Detroit actually gets in at the 8th spot right now, Mike. Uh, yeah. Still can't believe they're in 8th place out in their Western Conference and uh, tied with Columbus, of all teams. Uh, they would face Chicago, Anaheim versus St. Louis, Vancouver, Minnesota, and San Jose versus the Kings. Yeah,
1: In most cases, we have only about, what, six, seven, six, five, six 6 games remaining in uh, this shortened season. Yeah. St. Louis has been one that's been dropping in and out of that eight range. But it looks like they're they're kind of yeah they got a little bit of a comfortable
0: uh yeah, they lead, lead there yeah so. they're
1: solidifying their position a bit right there so. yeah, they would need a
0: couple more wins and I think they uh, stick around in that seven to eight spot so yep
1: yep it would be real
0: interesting if Detroit drops out and Columbus somehow gets in so it it,
1: well, it certainly would be I agree uh, there'd be a lot of very happy folks up in uh, up in Ohio
0: absolutely. All right, well, let's stick with the hockey trend and uh, let's get to our guests right now. Uh, Right now, we're being joined by the captain of the U.S. women's national team, Natalie Darwitz. Natalie, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me
0: on. Hey, Natalie. It's a real pleasure to have you on, Natalie.
2: Thank you. Uh,
0: You know, let's jump right into it. Uh, You know, looking at all the accomplishments that you had over your career, you're a three time Olympic medalist. Um uh, and you won multiple multiple medals for the uh, women's world championship and also the Four Nations uh you know cup. Um uh, out of all of those medals that you won, which one is the most special to you?
2: Oh, um you know, if you're gonna ask me about medals or my greatest hockey memories, yeah. um I would have to say when we won two national championships with the University of Minnesota the Olympics yeah. were awesome, no doubt. Um the difference being is we won. <laughs> being a competitor <laughs> you wanna you wanna win the whole thing. So you know, I walked away with two silvers and a bronze, so uh obviously great uh experience and I'm proud of it. But uh to be on top, those are my greatest hockey memories. But uh my best Olympics probably my greatest memories was Salt Lake in O two, just being That's your right. home country. Uh, my first one, I was only eighteen. Um so that was probably a lot of great memories come from that one.
0: Definitely good. Now, you know what, let's talk a little bit about next year's Olympics. Are you going to be playing in next year's Olympics?
2: Uh, no, I actually haven't been. Uh, I haven't been played in a couple of years. So uh, my hockey playing days are kind of outnumbered, and I'm kind of getting into the coaching ranks now in Minnesota. So, uh, no, I'm not lacing them up right now, no. <laughs> huh? <laughs> you
1: don't think you don't think Natalie, you could play in 2014, huh? Really?
2: Um, if I put my mind to it, I could. It's just, uh, you know, with, unfortunately, with female sports. Mm. Being 20 29 years old, you don't make any money. You know, yeah. I'm getting married this this summer, so it's just, yeah, you know, you put you put four years of training into everything, and I would love to I would love to say I could put my skates back on and do it, but. You all know there's a political process that goes into it, and uh, with me just showing up probably wouldn't sit well uh, with one teammate, and I wouldn't feel comfortable about that. But I think I still could play if I if I took if I put my mind to it. But mm-hmm. uh, well, now
1: you you are lacing up uh, because you're coaching now, correct?
2: Yes, yes, I am. Yep.
1: Yep. Now you. No, you I'm were... working
2: orders instead of. Uh, getting barked at me so we'll
1: see. <laughs> you had been uh in fact you had originally if I'm not mistaken the coaching started at your former college uh yep. where you were coaching uh you were an assistant coach I believe for the Minnesota Gophers is that correct
2: yeah I was there for uh were there for two years and then um Actually, a couple of years ago, I had the opportunity to kind of take control of my own program and, and coach high school hockey here in Minnesota. And um, it's a bit different out here than it is on the East Coast. We're pretty serious about our high school hockey, so um, that kind of offer came about to be a head coach. So I, I snagged, snagged that up, and and, uh, and and still I'm still coaching in Lakeville.
1: There's been a number. I read a number of articles uh, just this morning over your whole movement from. The collegiate ranks down to the high school ranks. And there were some people that were actually questioning that, that, it, you know, yet you were in a good spot up there in Minnesota, that potentially it was it was maybe your your job uh, as a head coach that, the, you know, you would have been the heir apparent. What made you yeah. make the, the jump down to uh, the high school uh, level?
2: Um, yeah, the the University of Minnesota, obviously, is a tremendous opportunity, and I was grateful to be there, and I had a a great experience. Um, ultimately, for me to grow and to become the best coach I could be, I felt like I had to take over a program and kind of be the head figure and get that experience to ultimately go back, hopefully, and coach college hockey and, and run my own program on a much bigger stage. Um, at the U, I was kind of a second assistant, so I was on the road a lot of recruiting. Didn't really get the actually you know i didn't have the hands-on as much as i would have liked to um so so for me that i think grow i kind of have to take a step and go to the high school level and and get my experience there and hopefully you know build back up and hopefully you know five ten years down the road uh something something opens up and you know i'm I'm more seasoned and experienced than i would have been being a second assistant at the u
1: now how's your lakeville south high uh, program doing how did you do this past season
2: we did okay. Um, you know, uh kind of a rebuilding the last two years. The the year after I got there they went to state or the year before I got there they went to state and lost all their seniors and, and their talents. Um, but I think we actually really surprised a lot of teams. We were eighteen, seven and four this year. Okay. Uh, which is a great record. Um, however, it comes down to playoffs, right? Um and yeah, we yeah. didn't play too hot in our in our second game of our uh of our, you know, section which is our you know eastern western conference type deal um in our playoffs so we kind of uh, bit the bullet there but uh for the most part had a really good year but you know it all comes down to playoffs and unfortunately hopefully the girls will will learn their lesson moving into next year
1: is dad coaching with you right now did i read that or did i get that my incorrect? dad is
2: no yep he's coaching with me
1: over at lakeville, well, over now at
2: lakeville pre-
1: a lot of, yep now previously he had been at egan high is that correct
2: yeah, he's uh, actually he coached me growing up, and right. he was an assistant coach when I was coach- when I was playing at Egan High School, and then uh, he kind of wanted to take a. He was a head coach there for like 20 plus years. Wow. And he's getting up there in age, and he kind of just wanted to take a back seat and not have to deal <laughs> with the head coaching responsibilities. <laughs>
1: so,
2: <laughs> so he came over and helped me out, and you know he just got to show up to the rink when, you know five minutes before practice, hop on the ice, and he got to go home. He didn't have to deal with all the parent issues and all that garbage that kind of goes on now. So, um, yeah, he kind of took a – he wanted to take a lesser role and, and still be able to coach, and that was the best way, and I snagged him up real fast.
1: So <laughs> you're, you're barking at Dad, too, aside from the kids on the ice.
2: Uh, Yeah, a little bit, but, yeah, you know, he – he still he still knows what's going on, so I let sure. him take over, and he has his niche, and we get along pretty well. So it's not an ego thing who's in charge, like that.
0: So yeah, yeah, that's great. You never really see a uh, daughter father, uh, you know, head coach and assistant coach tandem. So that's really cool to uh, hear about. But uh, oh, you yeah, know, how does that feel fun. that you know how, you know How does that feel that he was your coach for so many years, and then you were his assistant coach for a little while at Egan, and now all of a sudden the tables are kind of turned? <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily think the tables are turned. I mean, I look at it as I get to coach alongside my dad, and to be honest with you, he was he was tough on me. I wouldn't be where in my hockey career if he wasn't my dad. There's no doubt. I mean, he didn't have to say much to me. He'd just give me that look, and I would be like, oh, uh-huh. crap, I'm in trouble. I need to work harder or, or whatnot. But I learned a lot from him, and, um, you know, over the years he's actually tamed a bit and is a little bit more mellow than he used to be. He's very old school. Um so to 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 one, be coached by him grow up with him as my dad and my coach was a blast. And then to you know, ten five, ten years ago get to coach alongside him at Egan when he was the head coach was, was fun and he actually got me into coaching. I kinda was like, No way, I'm not even I'm not going near coaching. I can't I don't know how to talk to kids. I would rather just do it myself.
1: You right you know, kinda mm.
2: deal. So he got me into it and, and I fell in love with it and now for the table to be turned and he's kinda of helping me out. Uh it's a lot of fun.
1: In one of the articles I read, Natalie, uh, indicated that uh, when you first went into hockey, I guess as a youngster really, mom wasn't too uh, wasn't too keen on the idea. No, not at all. <laughs> uh, <laughs> little tension between mom and dad, or did it, or a uh, little tension there? <laughs> you know,
2: I was too young to know, but I'm sure there was. I, um, <laughs> I, uh I was a ringette. My brother played. My dad, I, like I mentioned, was was coaching. My mom, you know, my other, my oldest sister was a typical girly girl in in dance classes, and you know, sitting in front of the mirror brushing her hair. I was not like that at all. I mean, I was get outside, put a ball in my hand, give me a hockey stick, you know, play in the dirt type. Um, so, you know, it, it, I was, I'm sure my mom was concerned that her youngest daughter uh, wanted to lace up the skates and play hockey. And at that time, there were no girls really playing. I knew of like two or three other girls playing. So you had to play with the boys. But For me, I didn't look at them as I'm playing with boys. I was like, I get to play hockey every day. They're my buddies. Go out and have fun. So my mom was definitely hesitant, worried, Mm -hmm. concerned, you name it. Um, But I think as she realized how much I loved it um, and looked forward to it, she kind of put it aside and said, okay, my daughter's happy. I'm going to let her run with this. And, Mm -hmm. you know, now now I would have to say that. She's pretty happy. <laughs> she, yeah. I, I could go out a little
1: bit. <laughs> three three time Olympian, no mom's gonna turn that down.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. But you know you know how moms are. They worry and when your youngest Stop. daughter's playing with boys and growing up with boys, there's concern there. But I I, I think I turned out okay, so
0: we'll see. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We you know, we were taking a look at your stats and uh, you know, amazing, amazing stats from, you know, your time at University of Minnesota. Uh, with the olympics and uh, you know the nationals and everything, but we have to ask you you o know, the o five the o four o five season in forty games you had forty two goals and hundred and fourteen points. What happened that season? smokes
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm good line mates okay.
0: uh, uh, forty two <laughs> goals absolutely good, yeah. Good uh, line
1: mates. It doesn't like you
2: needed them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had more assists than goals, I think. So that tells you I wasn't that much of a puck hog. But, uh, no, we were, uh, gosh, probably one of the greatest teams I've ever played on. We just were dominant all year long. You know, played with my line mates with two other Olympians, Chrissy Wendell and, and Kelly Stevens. And, I mean, we. it's kind of like we we're, We knew where each other was going to be. And, um highlight real goals each game and just a lot of fun and, you know, won our second national championship that year. And um, I think that year I think I tied the record or maybe broke it for most points in a single season. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, just one of those seasons where, you know, everything kept going right. Um, Again, great line and uh, just went out there and just had fun every game. So
0: Yeah. I was just thinking about it before, you know, lucky fancy double-A girls, so, you know, you didn't have to play an 82-game season like the NHL because you would have had about 228 right. points that season.
2: Oh. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, now in college women's hockey, they play even more games. So, I mean, yeah. I'm sure that record is going to someday be broken. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, pretty, it's a pretty cool season.
0: Yeah, well, it's still standard. It was definitely a, an amazing season. Just look at the stats and that, you know, that hit us real quick as we were looking at that. Whoa, 42 goals in 40 games. You don't really see that often, so amazing.
1: Yeah, the other thing, yeah. you, though, Jonathan, that you and I wanted to bring up, too, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Natalie, did, did I read this correctly? You did not play your final year at Minnesota?
2: That's correct. I um, it, it, With, with uh, the Olympics, it's um, – Junior year, 04, 05, and then the next year, 05, 06, we trained for the Olympics, so I took a a year off from going to college, and honestly, I was pretty burnt out, just because the Olympics were in Italy that year, we were always overseas, Mm -hmm. I was at the point, I'm like, just, I want to be in my own bed, I'm sick of traveling, so I actually um, didn't play my senior year of of Mm -hmm. college at the U, and just went to school, and... Uh looking back, I mean, I there's some regrets I have about that, but moving looking forward uh to 2010, I don't think I probably would have played in 2010 if I didn't take that year off to like rejuvenate and cuz it made me appreciate the hockey that much more. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. but obviously, you know, college women's college hockey right now is the NHL for for yeah. them. There's no oppor- like there's no other opportunity yeah. to play. And you get treated, I mean, you're if you're at a top institution, you're gonna get funded pretty well. You know, looking at the U right now, those girls get a lot. I mean, they hmm. charter some flights. That's their NHL, so um whereas it's funny when you kinda of play for USA hockey, it's, you're kinda of sitting in the middle of the plane in a in a standard flight and not yeah. <laughs> things are different. <laughs> <laughs> um the money's not there. So um you know those those girls those four years they play they have to cherish those four years cuz that's the best environment uh that they're going to be able to play in. Yeah.
1: Talking about your uh coaching the high school level. Um I I spent 15 years in secondary and elementary education. Mm-hmm. Uh the parents today. Uh mm-hmm. you had made reference you had made reference to it before. How much of a challenge is that when you're dealing with high school uh, athletics and the parents as they're coming to you, you know, and you know, of course, maybe you're getting them yelling that uh, their kid needs to be getting more ice time or ice. Uh, why aren't they why aren't they starting on the front line, you know, all that sort of stuff. Just to uh, discuss that, just real quick.
2: You know, it's, it's it's been interesting. I think as when I grew up. Um, the culture has just shifted tremendously. And I don't think in in that positive of a way, um, with parents, I think there's a sense of entitlement. Like you said, why isn't my daughter playing more? Why isn't she on the first power play? Why isn't she, why isn't she announced as a starter at the beginning of the game? Um, you know, that's what parents, unfortunately they feel entitled that they should, their daughter should be those, those players. But, um, Ultimately, I have no um, hidden agenda when I coach. I'm going to put the best players on the ice during the best times. Um, I think about my program first. I think about our team, and then I think about the individual, whereas I think parents think about it the other way around. They think about their kid first, then the team, right. and then the program as a whole. And you just got to remind them of that. But, you know, I just... In any sporting situation now, anybody can sit in the stands and think they can do a better job. They can mm-hmm. question a coach, they can question anything, and
0: mm-hmm. they're
2: going to be right. Um, and, I, and I don't know where that shift has happened because you know, 15 years ago, it wasn't like that. You no. respected your you respected your coach. You know, you you said yes, coach, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. And now right. the way the way kids can talk to coaches or even teachers these days is baffling. Um, mm-hmm. and that's no way I'm going to raise my kids. That's no way I was raised either. Um, so for now to see that shift um, of a, that type of culture, it's it's concerning. And I think people are starting to talk about it finally, and people are starting to take note of, note of it. Um, and hopefully we can dial it back down. But yeah. um, yep. your coaches are hired for a reason. They're not yeah. bums off the street and they're giving them yep. a paycheck. They kind of know what they're doing. I mean, you're always going to question what your coach's decisions are making, but if they have the best intentions and they're doing what they think is right, I mean, nobody's perfect. They might flip up every now and then, but for the most case, they're probably doing a pretty darn good job, and how about a thank you every now and then instead of always a phone call about a negative, you know. Think about how many negative times you get talked to versus, hey, you're doing a great job. My kid enjoys playing for you. And I'm not saying all parents are bad because there's some great ones out there who do that. But, unfortunately, sometimes I think you only hear about the negative the negative ones.
1: You know? Yeah, you know, I I know, too, I mean, just being a teacher in the classroom, it was such a balancing act between what I had to do in the classroom and then having to deal with the parents after the fact. I can't even mm-hmm. imagine what it's like in an athletic environment um, yeah, where yep. it becomes much more much more even competitive. Um, yep. You know, like I said, I know what the balancing act is like right now just in the classroom. Um, so a hats off to you for... for and, and you know, too, you're at a uh, you're at a, uh, a you know, you're at a level in the high school area there where parents are much more concerned about oh, where's my kid going on the next level? You know, is this going right. to get them their scholarship into that college that they're going to need? Um yep. So it's I would think there's even more pressure. So.
2: Yeah, and, and I try to be upfront with my parents, saying you know we're not playing youth sports right now where everyone's going to get equal playing time. I wish it was fair. But it's not going to be, you know. So I try to set the the guidelines right away saying I would love for everybody, everything to come up roses. I really would. But the the reality of it, it's not. (laughs) So-and-so is going to give more playing time because she has more skill, you know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's it's interesting.
0: Yeah, really interesting. Well, definitely, uh, you know, we've actually spoken about that on the pro ranks here, where uh, players have more say than a coach, and, uh, you know, I guess where, you know, a lot of parents and a lot of kids see that with their role models and stuff in the pro ranks, and uh, that's where it's probably coming from, so it's a real shame, it's a real shame, because like you said, you know, all of us here, when we were coached, uh, you know, we didn't dare talk to our coaches like that, so.
2: Right, yeah.
0: It's a real shame.
2: I hear you. All right,
0: all right, Natalie, we we really, really appreciate you coming on and talking a little bit about your uh, hockey career and now your uh, high school coaching career. It was uh r- real nice to have you on. It was a real pleasure to speak to you and uh we wish you nothing but the best of luck and also congratulations on your uh, wedding this summer. Well wow,
2: thank you. I appreciate that guys. Great to talk to you.
1: Yep. All Thanks best, so much. All the best for your team. Thank you. You got it.
0: Great stuff, man. Yeah. You know, it's it's true, Mike, you know, we, we even spoke about it uh with the pro ranks where uh, you know you know the way parents and the way uh, players you know you know speak to their coaches and uh, you know that th- that wasn't the way it was years ago, man. No, it wasn't. You know, a coach is your teacher. You know, but then again, like you said, you know, kids talk to teachers that way now these days. So,
1: well, I think you make a uh, I think you make a valid observation, uh, Jonathan. When we recognize that, what are our kids seeing? What are they role modeling? but they're role modeling the pros that they see. And if the pros are getting away with certain things, and they're going to think that they're entitled to do so as well.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, uh, For as much as I love uh, Charles Barkley, I always took exception to his comment, and I brought it up right here on this radio station before, when he made the comment that uh, he's not a role model. Well, you know something? These guys need to understand that whether they want to accept that mantle or not, they are. They are
0: no matter what. You know, you're you're front and center. There's kids wearing your jerseys. There's kids having your poster on their wall. You're a role model. Correct. You know. That's it. You know, the same way where if a kid wanted to uh you know, be in politics and he's got a picture of uh, Barack Obama on his wall. Guess what? Barack Obama is a role model. You know, that goes for anybody with that that gets that kind of publicity and is out there. You're a role model. Doesn't matter what you are if you're in politics, if you're in sports, uh you know what if you if, if if you're a writer if you're an author whatever you happen to be a role model you know? Correct. it comes Correct. with the territory so
1: That's
0: but uh you know it's it's a shame because uh you know you, you never heard about this stuff years ago and uh, I hate to say it, one of the first things that I saw where a player was actually demeaning a coach and talking down to a coach and it it, it was forefront and center and I think it blew up since then mike was when letoe's free uh, choked out PJ Colissimo.
1: Absolutely. You know, before that,
0: you never heard about anything. You, you, you know, you heard rumors about Michael Jordan and Doug Collins, but that was all private stuff. You know, if, if that's the way it's going to be, let that be private. Whatever happens in the locker room should stay in the locker room. Um, you know, but when he's, uh, you know, it, it just filed out of control since then, Mike. And that was about, I would guess the late eighties, uh, excuse me, late nineties. So yeah, uh,
1: I, I, you know, something Jonathan, good, good, you know, good, Way to find a moment in time. I think you might be right. Yeah. If you recall, the reaction from all of us fans was one of absolute astonishment. We sat there watching the video with our jaw dropped. Yes. We couldn't believe it. Yes. We couldn't believe that a player would ever do something so outrageous as that.
0: Well, Josh um, so And,
1: you know, uh,. <laughs> You know I but good 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 thinking there I mean that might be the moment in time. Yeah that
0: was um back in 1997. Well he did get suspended for 68 games. Yeah. But to me uh something like that I you know there, there's no room for that. Nope. You know especially if it's captured by cameras and uh, can get out there. But you know right after that he was uh sent to the Knicks and uh he was able to uh play in an NBA finals and after that he got a uh Big deal, you know, with uh, Minnesota. But nice. then again,
1: right in 2005,
0: he uh, refused that 21 million dollar uh, three three-year deal saying that uh, he needs to feed his children. That wasn't enough. So it goes to show you what kind of a person he was. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's uh, jump into a couple of things here real quick. Let's just go over MLB standings real quick, Mike, because it's still early on in the season, so nothing really to go crazy about. Um, Boston's ahead in the AL East with a 9-4 and record. Eight and five for Detroit out in the Central, and eleven and four Oakland, Mike, out in the West. Um, to me, that's a little bit of a surprise so far.
1: Look at the Angels at four and ten.
0: Yeah, uh, that's a big surprise. Uh, everybody's not playing good there. Hamilton, Trout, and Pujols. So we'll see what happens, uh, you know, throughout the season. Definitely have to keep our eye on that. Out in the National League, Mike, Atlanta, twelve and one right now.
1: Wow, it's
0: blowing up. And remember, I said it. I really like the signing of Justin Upton, and Justin Upton is playing some really good baseball, but. The entire Atlanta Braves roster is playing good baseball.
1: Well, and they made a statement against uh, Washington.
0: Yes, big time, big time. Uh, Miami 3-11 out there in the uh, NL East. That's not a shock. Um, NL Central, uh, St. Louis leading 8-5 and out in the NL West. Colorado up there, 10-4, Mike, above uh, San Francisco, Arizona. Dodgers at 7-7. Yep. Uh, Second to last place, so that's a little bit of a shock there.
1: Yeah, that's a little bit of a surprise as well. Uh we're couching it yes very early early. yep yep
0: very early um before we say anything uh we got a couple of uh special guests coming up over the uh next few days mike yes we do um on friday we're going to be joined by richmond quarterback john lobb who will also you know be headed into the nfl draft uh, week after next and uh on wednesday the 24th we're going to be joined by eastern michigan linebacker justin cudworth and we're uh Also might be joined by Florida kicker, Caleb Sturgis. Yeah, yep. Going to have ourselves a little bit of an NFL draft week.
1: Draft week, yeah. We'll be talking to some potential draftees. This is going to be very very good stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. We're real excited about it. So, uh, Also, not only to have them, but we'd like to see where they get drafted or if they end up signing as an undrafted free agent. Right. Uh, Be real uh, nice, because who knows? You know, John Lobb or a uh, Caleb Sturgis or a Justin Cudworth, could be the next best thing, Mike, and we'll have him right here on Fan Junkies Radio. Uh, before anybody else does. Exactly. So that'd be cool. Um, let's talk about this really quick. We have uh, 18 minutes left in this show. We have a few things to get to still. Let's talk about the uh, major NCAA violations over there at the University of Oregon. I know you're really up on this, uh, so why don't you explain to everybody what's been going on here and uh, your gripe about it.
1: Yeah, well, my I'm up on it only because of the fact that it falls underneath the uh, I guess the helm of the current Philadelphia Eagles head coach Chip Kelly. Apparently, a report was issued yesterday uh, from the NCAA uh, indicating that there, of course, they're still investigating. But uh, uh, early indications are that there were NCAA violations that occurred uh, at the uh, at Oregon, um, uh, involving, as the report reads, involving the head coach 2009 through 2011 and the athletics department from 2008 to 2011 as well. Uh, part While all of the violations have not been released, we're going to have to wait for the final report on that one. Uh, it has been indicated that one of the major violations was that there was an agent who uh, received $25,000 uh, in return for uh, recruiting players to Oregon. Uh, my suspicion is we would be talking about potential uh, high school players, not to mention players from other teams who uh, they potentially got to transfer into Oregon uh, this all apparently took
0: place uh,
1: under uh, at least portion of it while uh, Chip Kelly was the uh, head coach uh, one of the lines in the report that I find to be completely uh, ridiculous um, and without any merit whatsoever mm-hmm. uh, the report goes on to read while the violations were not intentional in nature well Somebody's got to explain that one to me from the NCAA standpoint. How in the world does an agent receive $25,000 into their bank account, and that's not intentional in nature? Yeah. All right? That's my, that's my number one gripe with this whole thing. My number two gripe with this is that I really – and I understand that we have got uh, a clear, definitive lines between the NCAA and the NFL. However – I am sick of the peak carolisms that are going on in the NFL, where head coaches knowingly are committing violations in the collegiate ranks, and right before the violations come down, which are going to hurt Oregon, they're not going to hurt Chip Kelly, make no mistake, they bail and go to an NFL team. This kind of behavior is reprehensible, and the NFL needs to address it. This guy should not get off for that, and that, to have this program Jeopardized because of something he did, or because of the fact he looked the other way, is absolutely wrong.
0: Yeah, I agree. And now the uh, they basically self-imposed their own punishment, right?
1: They have proposed it to the NCAA. The NCAA has not yet actually uh, agreed to it. Uh, they have a, 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 the Oregon has put forth a self-imposed uh, two-year. I believe it's a two-year. Uh, uh, I guess. How, how did they? How did they phrase it? They said uh,
0: two-year probation with the loss of one scholarship in each of the next three years.
1: Correct. Is that yeah. enough? The NCAA is not going to go along with that. First of all, they might go along with the two-year probation, uh, which would mean they would miss bowl games and that sort of thing. But it's going to be more than that. That's uh, going to be more than a loss of one scholarship.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, so cool. you think the That's punishment cool. should be harsher? and Oregon self-imposed.
1: My, my problem here, Jonathan, is that we're imposing sanctions and, and penalties on programs that, you know, it, it's much in the same way with Penn State uh, where you're hurting a program where the program... You're not getting to the right person. You understand what I'm saying? The, the guilty party is gone. <laughs> yeah. So... To impose sanctions on the school now is only hurting the student-athletes that are there now.
0: Yes. And sure. that's
1: where I have a problem with it.
0: Well, that's we said the same thing I about Penn State, too, for the people that were receiving scholarships already there that had nothing to do with anything that was going on there. It was You know, those are the people that suffer. Correct. Yeah.
1: Correct. And, and and that's where and, – and, and again, I go back to also the fact that, you know, you, you, you know we saw it with USC with Pete Carroll. He knew what was coming down over there at USC. He knew that, and he quick made the jump because it was offered to him and it was available. He quick takes the move up the coast of Seattle. Chip Kelly, Chip Kelly originally, let's not forget the timeline on this, he had originally said he wasn't going to leave Oregon. He came out, he interviewed with the Eagles. He laughed. went back to Oregon, told everybody at Oregon, in fact made a public statement that he wasn't leaving Oregon. Four days later, he changes his mind, and bam, he's over at Philadelphia. Yeah. Come on.
0: Well, oh, I guess we'll have to uh, stay up on this and uh, find out what's really going to happen here. So, That's Chip Kelly for you, huh?
1: Don't get me started again.
0: You're a new Eagles head coach, Mike.
1: <laughs> One of the many reasons I really did not want this, man.
0: Yeah, I hear you. All right, man, let's go into a little bit of NBA. And uh, before we get into what we want to talk about, Mike, I got a little bit of news here. Uh, Knicks General Manager Glenn Grunwald has just announced that Rashid Wallace has retired from the NBA. Ah, Um, he played the other night, he played about three minutes, and he left with a sore foot after undergoing foot surgery about a month and a half ago, two months ago, and, uh, probably not good if he, uh, retired that quick. Uh, I would agree. So, we'll see what happens, but, uh, you know, we, you know, a lot of people knocked Rasheed Wallace coming, and, uh, over 21 games, we had a lot of fun with him here in New York, so, uh, you know, it was uh, definitely a lot more fun than uh, most people thought it would be, so. And he played some real good games for them, Mike, We, we were very shocked, so. Um yeah, you know, good luck to uh, Rashid Wallace in his uh, second retirement. So. But the Knicks get younger in a way. Um Knicks way. signed Quentin Richardson, former Nick uh coming back to the Knicks. Uh I like this signing for a couple different reasons, Mike. Uh, number one, he uh, loves to aggravate Kevin Garnett. Number two, he loves to aggravate LeBron James. So, uh you know that they signed him for a reason.
1: To to aggravate? Oh yeah, to aggravate
0: the hell out of those guys on defense. So, uh, you know, hopefully it'll help. You know, it's just a play, but, uh, then again, he can still shoot, so we'll see what happens. Uh, also, San Antonio Spurs signing, uh, Tracy McGrady. Yeah. Who played in the uh, Chinese Basketball League this, uh, season, and he's coming in now to, uh, play in the playoffs with the San Antonio Spurs. Mike, what do you think about that signing?
1: Well, you know, I, when I first read it and I first saw it this morning, I thought to myself, well, good. Good for, good for T Mac and good for, good for uh, did you say San Antonio?
0: Yeah, San Antonio. Yeah,
1: well, good for them. I I I don't have an issue with it. Um, I know that uh, you know you were questioning whether you know the whole playoff eligible issue, but obviously they're bringing them in exclusively for that. So I don't uh, I don't personally have an issue with it.
0: Okay, I remember Chase McGrady has never ever ever made it past the first round of the playoffs.
1: Well,
0: I you know. <laughs> Could there be a team at curse for San Antonio now? <laughs> no, no, I,
1: I, I don't think so. No, nah, they're too good right now. Exactly, exactly, they're too good. They're too good.
0: Gonna have the uh, second seed uh, in the Western there. Yeah. Um, this is really cool. Uh, we uh, I only found out about this this morning, but uh, point guard Stephen Curry from the Golden State Warriors is two shots shy of setting a new NBA standard, and that's for three pointers, which would tie and or break the 269. By Ray Allen,
1: yeah, um,
0: which was uh, said a few years ago. Uh, Mark Jackson, uh, head coach of the Golden State Warriors, says, "I don't know who is second place. Who? Wait, I don't know who second place is for the best shooter in the world, but Stephen Curry has certainly tied up first place. I mean, the guy's shooting lights out, man. He's 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 definitely like his father, Dell. Yeah,
1: it's phenomenal it's, shot. It's uh, incredible. Now, you know, being on the West Coast, I I got to be honest." Uh, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong here. I mean, you you're, you follow the NBA a lot closer than I do. Yeah. It seems to me he's done it rather quietly.
0: He is. He is, he is doing it rather quietly. Um, you know, and I think that's what Golden State likes the most about it, Mike. Uh, you know, definitely one of the uh, best point guards that Golden State has had since Tim Hardaway. And, uh, you know what, he's a better shooter than Tim Hardaway. He's averaging uh, 45.5% from beyond the arc this season. And is averaging almost three and a half baskets from long range over the 77 games he has played. So, um, Warriors player Jerry Jack said uh, he should be done with that by the end of the first quarter tonight.
1: I mean, it's it's an amazing accomplishment, really, when you start
0: to think about it. Um, and like I said, for him to have done it
1: as kind of quietly, there's not been a lot of hoopla about it. Yeah. No, there hasn't
0: been. There hasn't been at all. But, uh I like the kid, you know, uh, this is a kid that uh, I wanted the Knicks to draft, I was very upset that the Knicks weren't able to uh, get him, and, uh, you know, class act personality, just like his father Dell, and a phenomenal player, so, uh, you know, good for him, man, he's he's young,
1: absolutely, you know, absolutely.
0: so to, you know, to be able to be playing like this at such a young age, Mike, uh, you'd have to think that there's going to be a lot of uh, good things for uh, 25-year-old Stephen Curry in the future, oh, no doubt about it, no you doubt know. about it, hopefully uh, NBA champion would be wonderful. it would be nice to see Golden State win a championship, so, yep, um, we also got this, uh, thing here from Forbes, Mike, they did a, uh, uh, uh I guess a poll saying who the most loyal fans were in basketball, and I thought for a second that this happened to be a good time standard. Oh, who, who's been the most loyal fan base over the last 10 years? That's what I thought it was at first. It was only for this season, Mike.
1: Yeah, well, uh, uh, somebody's looking for something to write about.
0: <laughs> yeah, and
1: Miami Heat. Or number one? Well, uh, you know, uh, you know uh, as I pointed out to you pre-show, I mean, you know, is that a surprise to anybody? I mean, you know. They're, they're the best
0: team in the NBA. If they weren't, we'd have a problem.
1: Yeah, I, I, I mean, this is a this is a, 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 study that's been done for the here and now. Yeah. Sick, um, I was like, there,
0: there were no more than loyal fans anywhere than in San Antonio, Boston, New York, and a couple other teams. Because... There were times in Miami, there, there, there was nobody sitting in the damn stands. Yeah. You know? So, I was sitting there thinking, whoa, 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 wait, wait wait a minute. Wait a minute. Really? No, this is just for this year. Miami was ranked number six last season. San Antonio Spurs were in second place. We're ranked number one. Knicks in third. We're ranked number 10 last season. Boston Celtics, who were number two last season, are in fourth place. And there's a fifth place tie between the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Brooklyn Nets.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, if you take a look at the standings as they wrote them up in this particular article, Jonathan, for the most part, the standings follow the standings in the NBA. Yeah. Right, Charlotte's number 30, Sacramento Kings number 29, Minnesota Timberwolves number 28, Wizards number 27. So, for, I, I mean, this is a no-brainer kind of, you know, Somebody needed, a, somebody needed a, a fill piece. I mean, really.
0: Yeah, I don't know who did this poll, but uh, yeah.
1: Or ranking, however they decided to do the rankings on this. But, you know, some uh, some creative editor said, hey, we need something on basketball. Uh, hey, you over there, would you put together something? Yeah. I mean, seriously. <laughs> the, 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 you know, I, I think, I think uh, you know, the kind of story, the kind of article, the kind of analysis, uh, Jonathan, that you were talking about, uh, and that is to go take a look at Loyal bases say over the past two decades over the past 25 years that's a little more compelling than looking at something like this which basically is doing nothing more than mirroring mirroring what the standings are right now in the nba and i'm going to tell you right
0: now you look over the last 25 years you know you're going to see it right from the top boston la new york san antonio there's no other loyal fan bases like that you know what i mean
1: no yeah, I mean, you, the could be, you Jordan, they
0: always stick with their teams. So
1: you could do that. You could do that for almost every single uh, sport that's out there. Yeah,
0: are, I mean, you yeah. could really just look at it, and you can know right away who has the most loyal fan bases in almost all four sports. Exactly. I you mean, right away, make- hockey. What do you think about? It? You think New York Rangers, Detroit Red Wings, a few other teams. Baseball, oh. right away, Yankees, Red Sox. Uh, you know. You, you can just know the team's based on... Boston? Yeah, Philadelphia, Boston. Philadelphia? Philadelphia?
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: I, I mean, you know, even the Mets, I hate to say. It, you know, even when they were terrible, they still had fans coming out, you know?
1: Correct. Correct. Chicago. You know. Um, you you know, mentioned the
0: bases and no. uh, just.
1: No. I mean, uh, you start talking hockey. I mean, it, it, listen, one of the most loyal fan bases in all of hockey. Uh, and, and we haven't seen a Stanley Cup in, what, almost 40 years in Philadelphia?
0: Absolutely. No doubt about it. No so. doubt about it.
1: But that's looking at it over a period of time. We're not talking about specifically. Oh, we're talking about
0: one season.
1: Yeah, this is this is.
0: So let's just, uh, you know, what I mean. We should do that on our own website, Mike, and just mirror the standings, just like everybody else does.
1: <laughs> well, I like to feel that I put together stuff with a little more substance than this.
0: Yeah, I hear it's perfectly you.
1: Perfectly blunt. I don't see much substance in this. I hear you. All <laughs> right,
0: let's uh, real quick look through the standings and the uh, potential playoff matchups. Uh, out in the East, we have. Um, Milwaukee taking on the Miami Heat, New York taking on the Boston Celtics, the Pacers taking on the Hawks, and the Brooklyn Nets taking on the Chicago Bulls. Out in the Western Conference, as of now, the Lakers would take on number one seeded Oklahoma City Thunder, San Antonio taking on Houston, Denver taking on Golden State. Can't wait to see that, Mike. I think that's going to be a really good matchup. And the Clippers taking on the Memphis Grizzlies. But tonight, it's going to tell us who is going to be in the playoffs in that last spot in the West, because we have the Jazz taking on the Memphis Grizzlies. Grizzlies most likely sitting everybody. And the Lakers taking on the Houston Rockets. Rockets most likely sitting everybody. Um, they're only one game apart right now, Mike.
1: And there is the possibility that the Lakers might not get that eighth spot yet this evening.
0: No. Not sure so, if the tiebreaker stands between the two, Mike.
1: It's, uh, it's an interesting, interesting situation. As we go into the very final game
0: of the NBA this
1: evening, so uh, that, that 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 can be very very fascinating, really, when it comes right down to it. Yeah. Uh, uh, Michael- the Denver the Denver Nuggets need a Los Angeles Lakers or Los Angeles Clippers loss or a win at home against the Phoenix Suns to clinch a number three spot in the West? I'm trying to look at what the scenarios are because I do have a piece up here about the scenarios and what would. Uh, what would knock LA out of there? I'm trying to remember what I had read it earlier this morning. What would actually knock LA out? Um. Anyhow, it's the pos- there's a possibility, and I believe that LA game is the very last game of the evening. In, fact, in other words, that'll be the last NBA game of, uh, of of the season because it'll be on the latest. Yes. So it could come down to everything could come down to that final game.
0: Oh, we'll see. It definitely happens. We'll keep everybody updated on that. So. We'll talk about that on Friday's uh, episode of Fan Junkies Radio. But for now, that's it for today. We want to thank uh, Natalie Darwitz, who uh, was the captain of the U.S. National uh, Hockey's uh, Hockey Women's Team, for joining us. Uh, it, was a, it was a real pleasure to have her with us. On Friday, we're going to be joined by University of Richmond quarterback John Lobb, and uh, he's 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 headed into the NFL Draft next week. Mike. Yep. He's eligible. And also on Wednesday, the twenty fourth, we'll be joined by Eastern Michigan linebacker. Justin Cudworth. So get ready for a little bit of NFL and NFL draft talk here on Fan Junkies Radio starting Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern Time. Yep. Going to be a lot of fun, Mike. It's
1: going to be great. I, I'm really, really looking forward to it. And, uh, you know, I've talked about the draft already. Uh, this draft, I think, is exciting only from the standpoint of the fact that it is so, so up in the air.
0: Yep, absolutely. All right. Once again, I uh, just want to throw out our uh, condolences and prayers and, and, and everything to the people of Boston and the people that were uh, by the Boston bombings and also tomorrow there will not be an episode of Sports Blogger Radio as John Leary and Scott Blooney will go radio silent in uh, memory and in tribute to uh, the lives lost and the people affected by the Boston bombings and our hats off uh, you know, go to John and Scott out there in Boston. Um, you know, luckily, uh, they weren't affected by it, but many people they knew were so that's uh you know so they're dealing with that sad stuff so uh you know everybody keep everybody from boston uh in your thoughts and prayers and um yeah we'll we'll see everybody for friday so once again thank you to natalie darwitz for joining us and we will be live on friday at 12 p.m eastern time with university of richmond quarterback john Lobb to speak about the nfl draft so for mike mcshane i'm jonathan Ragus. we'll see you on friday catch you then